Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, it is the Ayers here together, and we have been on the road a bit this week. We've been on the road, we've been traveling around, talking to good parents and so on, and you know, Linda... We, we talked a little last week about the, the worries of parents about screen time and about technology and so on. And that is the real. Uh, do you think we've we've had a Q&A one single time in the last two years when the first question has not been, what do I do about my kids and their smartphones? You know, it's just the thing that's on everyone's mind. And and. Today, we're going to talk a little more in depth about one aspect of technology, and that is social media. That's the one that is peaking in terms of the thing that concerns parents, not only because of the bullying that goes on on social media, and not only because of the amount of screen time that's there, but also because of the thing that it is keeping kids away from. And there's a wonderful article in Atlantic Magazine the title is pretty, pretty uh, ominous. I think we referred to this. We last referred week. to it a yeah. little, but we've been researching it and other articles this week. And the title's pretty ominous because it says, "Have smartphones ruined a generation?" <laughs> but you know, let's be positive. We're always, po- Linda. You're always positive. I mean, you what are what? the pros and cons of technology? <laughs> would you go back? Would you go back to? 20 years ago when there were no smartphones, there was no way to communicate in the ways we do now. Would you want to go back? Well, maybe right at this moment I would. I am (laughs) so mad because I am stuck on passwords. (laughs) I cannot get the password deal right. And honestly, it's driving me crazy. Our son has got got me all organized with this thing called LastPass. He said, you'll never have to remember a password again. But every time you can't get into something, you have to change a password. It changes the whole system. So I can't get in my email. I can't get anything. Oh, it boy. Is so Here's a chance for you to bend a little. It really just... is crazy. I mean, there are good and bad things about about the Internet. And, of course, I wouldn't go back. It is just su- such a monster thing in our lives now because it makes life so much easier in some well, way. Well, you know, for us especially, I, the timing was so great because I we, we closed our office that we'd had for so many years about a decade ago. And I had two marvelous secretaries. I I should probably pay tribute to Corey and Leah. They kept my life going as a management consultant and as in everything I was involved in business and, and writing and otherwise. And it took two of them, and they could both read my scribbly handwriting. Absolutely hieroglyphic. They, they I were, don't know how they oh, did that. They were so amazing. And about the time we finally decided that we were just traveling so much, we couldn't even keep the office open anymore. And, and we closed it down. And, and without being able to use email and, and texts and so on, I, I could have, we'd have been lost. But we were able to shift it over. And so for me, the whole idea of being able to communicate electronically and, and to use technology to stay in touch and to disseminate information and to, to work with clients and so on was just a, a, a total lifesaver. And I'm so grateful for, I mean, you think about it, you know, what a dream to be able to 
be on a beach or be in the mountains or whatever and be able to reach out to everyone you know, either through email or through texting or through social media. It's, it's, an, it's a marvelous world, but the problem comes, and, and we're still trying to understand this as, as human beings. What are the effects on our nature and on our minds and our brains of this new way of being in touch with people? And, and it comes to a, a head in people's minds when they see their kids and how addicted they become to their smartphones. But I, I think my point, Linda, is it's not just a problem with kids. It's in most cases, the very adults who are asking the questions what do I do about my child spending so much time online or so much screen time? And it's the parents. It's the very parent who's asking the question that's probably at least as addicted or more so than the child. Absolutely. Our, um, our daughters were doing, we have a daughter who has a big website for parent, for families and for moms. And, and, uh, she was going to interview our other daughter who has a big blog for moms. And, the the subject was you know how do we take care of our big problem with kids being addicted to the internet and what this mom found out Chani who uh, is has the blog is that she said you know I'll put my phone away I'll put my phone away this week and let's see how it works I'll set the example and I'll just do it right and honestly Drove she her crazy. just about died because she, she, she came out of hives lives and dies <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. on no. <laughs> She lives and dies on this um, because she's working on a business that's, you know, dependent on the Internet. And it really is interesting how when we consider how much we use it I mean, every day. Well, here's here's what uh, and we're, we're going to get to some more pros. We're not only going to talk about the cons. In fact, we have a couple of exciting announcements to make to you uh, listeners that that relate to technology, but we'll do that in the second half of the show. I want to just summarize, and you jump in too, Linda, the, 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 some of the things we've been learning as we've researched this topic, and particularly this Atlantic Magazine article called, Are We Losing a Whole Generation? Um, here's what's so interesting. It's kind of a graphic way to think about it. If you look at the um, trends among teenagers, young teenagers, uh, young adolescents, and you look at things like depression and suicide and, and unhappiness and so on, the graphs take a really sharp upswing right about 2012. And it's interesting. What, what happened in the year 2012? Why was that the year that they get a little steeper? They, they get a little more worrisome, the, the graphs, the trends and, and teenage behavior. And, you know, that wasn't when the depression, that wasn't, we had that really bad recession between 20, 2007 and 2009. So it, it wasn't caused by economics. Things were recovering by 2012. And what this author is trying to do in Atlantic is saying, what, what is the determining factor? What happened right then? Well, that was the, the very moment, 2012, when, when, it went past 50% of Americans who have a smartphone. That was the, that was when the majority, the minority became the majority. Of course, it's much higher now. Um, in 2017, three of every four teenagers 
had an iPhone. And that's that's current. Now now three of every four teenagers has an iPhone. A lot of the others have other devices, of course. But the question is, you know, how is it how, how shocking it is that the graphs parallel each other. If you look at a graph for how much screen time and how much smartphone ownership there is, and here it goes, it's going up, 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 it's getting steeper and steeper as a graph. And then paralleling it, the same the same uh, graph for depression, for suicide, for anxiety, anxiety yeah. for unhappiness, um, even for things like autism and other other interesting problems. But but I but here's the thing that's so interesting that, that, that I like the Atlantic article on. It's it's not only about what's happening to kids negatively from their increased screen time and social media. It's also what they're not doing because of it. And and it's interesting, Linda, because some of the things are things that you'd have thought parents would welcome. For example, kids are having sex at a later t- later age and with less frequency. Now that everyone would say, oh, good, that's a great thing. Kids are, are, are well, it is. the kids are involved in less traffic accidents than they were. They're, really? they're doing less recreation. They're they're playing less um, less sports. They're fewer. they're joining fewer clubs and and fewer. Um, they're they're spending less time on homework, and and you look down all the lists that kids are now doing less or doing later than they did ten or fifteen years ago. And some of them you would say as a parent, oh good, thank goodness, I don't have to worry so much about that anymore. They're not out driving around. They're not. Uh, they're not having experimental early sexual experiences. They're, you know, uh, they're staying at home more. All those things on the surface, you could say, well, those are all good things, along with some of the bad ones. But then you would understand that the reason they're not doing all these things is because they're in their rooms on their on their phone. And basically, what this author's conclusion is, is that kids are growing up much more slowly in the ways we used to think that kids grew up. In other words, they're getting more independent, they're getting out more, they're move, meeting more people, they're moving around, they're driving cars, they're joining clubs, they're, they're having recreation, they're playing on teams. All these things that we used to look at as the maturation process of a child are slowed down. It's like they're staying children longer but the reason is because they're in their rooms on their smartphones. Boy, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think they're staying children longer. I think they're becoming adults. Well, faster. that's the that yeah, the, mentally in terms of what they're exposed to, you could say that. But in terms of the old measurements of independence, they're not. They're they're moving much more slowly. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I, the thing that I most intrigued me about the show last week, because we were with our daughters uh, in California. I was with three of our daughters in California. And one of them said that she, you know, and she's one that's not giving her child a phone. And she's, uh, let's see, 13 now. And she does not have her own phone. And, um, it really has been an interesting experience because for one thing, they were on a farm last year and they didn't have internet access for uh, about nine months. And it was pretty amazing what happened because this oldest daughter said, you know, what I, what 
what I realized without internet access is that I, I kind of like being bored because when I'm bored. She had decided boredom is a good thing. When I'm bored, I think of other things to do. I go out and find things to do. I create things. I, I do things that are, are, are interesting. I learn things when I'm bored. Uh, we were in a class with a bunch of young parents not long ago, and, and there was an older fellow there, and maybe I mentioned this before, but he, he said, he was a grandfather, he said, I don't understand why these young mothers are getting their kids so involved in all these activities all the time. They're just going 100 miles a minute every single day. And uh, another mother raised her hand and said, we do that because if we don't get them involved in extracurricular activities and sports and music and ballet and all these things, we find that our children are on their phones all the time. So we're trying to figure out how to, you know, distract them from their phones. That's really, really interesting, Linda. And I, I, I was going to comment on that same thing that, uh, you know, 10 years ago when we would go give our lectures or our presentations to parents, part of an actual module in our presentation was you need to quit getting your kids in so many activities. They're over-programmed. They're on three sports teams. They've got four different music lessons. They're on these clubs and so on. We were like, simplify it. And now what parents are telling us and what we're realizing too, we're changing our advice to them because just like you said, Linda, more and more parents say to us, the whole motivation I have for getting my kids in all these different activities and driving myself nuts, running them around like a taxi driver to all their lessons and so on. It's the only way I get them off their phones. It's the only way I get them off of their screens. Yeah, it's really true. And I had not thought of that, but of course that's exactly what's happening. They want to expose their kids to a lot of things, obviously, because you just lay in bed at night worrying about what if you have a ballerina and you don't know anything about that ballet and you never expose them to it and all those kinds of things and what are their gifts and all that is part of the package. But I do think that parents are really starting to do that so that the kids are not home playing computer games. So we'll be back after a brief break and we'll shift the conversation to a little more positive light and talk about some of the tremendous blessings and advantages of technology, even in kids' lives, and maybe the way that you as a parent can help your children learn discernment and judgment and good choices by the way you use the very tool we're also scared of, which is excess screen time and technology. So hang on, stay with us, and we'll be right back after this brief break. And we're back. We're talking again about the hot topic among parents and adults for the whole world right now, and that is um, the internet and social media and how it's affecting our kids. Particularly social media. We talked a lot last show about technology and screen time in general, but when you really sit parents down and say, well, what is it about screen time and about the uh, technology sector that scares you most, most of them will say, well, it's FaceTime, it's, it's Instagram, it's Snapchat, it's the social media because that's the thing that's most addictive and that's the thing where kids are getting bullied and that's the thing where kids are 
you know, getting swallowed up by a kind of a fake and false identity. So again, you know, the, the facts are pretty clear that the concerns about depression, suicide and unhappiness and basic malaise, mental malaise among teenagers parallels the graph on increased screen time. And, and, and a lot of experts are coming to the, to the point that it somehow even jumps higher if it's more than two hours a day. If it's under two hours a day that kids are on their phones and their screen time, the problems seem much less pronounced than if it's over two hours. But how do you even measure? Because a lot of these kids are checking their phones. Yeah, in and out, in and out all day long. Every minute and can't, you know, it's the, uh, the fear of missing out, right? FOMO that affects kids so much. They, they have to check every couple of, and, and again, not just kids, but so many of us. Right. I, I know people, I shouldn't say this, but they, they never go in the bathroom without their phones because they want to check, you know, and make sure they're not missing an email or a text. Yeah. It really is becoming so prevalent. But, um, one of our daughters said last week that her daughter, she really wishes she'd waited until later to give her daughter a phone. I think she was 12. And um, she said, I, I just I just feel her anxiety when she knows the ki- other kids are doing things together and she's not there. You know, she's on a group text and they're going back and forth and she hasn't been invited. It is really, really upsetting to these kids. And, you know, the thing we, we came out of the show last week thinking is that maybe the single most important principle for parents is get your kids involved in a discussion of the pros and cons of their phones and of social media and so on. Get them, draw them in. What are the, what are the things that are good about this? What are the things that are bad and help them discover for themselves and a lot of them, like our like our little granddaughter Hazel that you were talking about, Linda, they already know. They know that. Gee, when I'm when I'm on my phone, I'm not thinking creatively. I'm not reaching out. I'm not with my friends. I'm not learning to be have social skills and so on. But the more that you can draw out of your own kids in a discussion, and a good simple way to start it is let's sit down with a piece of paper and let's draw a line down the middle, and let's say what are the good things about our phones and about our our devices and what are the problems and and let and don't try to do it all in one session let make it a discussion over the course of several days and get the kids really involved in that discussion and then when that's really in their heads that's the time to say now let's create some limits let's create some rules well let me say that that's the time uh, that Sadie was talking about last week with her daughter and her friend's daughter that's the time when the kids take ownership of it. And right, they right. say, I'm going to just get off Instagram except for my sisters and my cousins so that I can stay in touch with my family. Um, I am going to just, you know, unfollow all those people that are not really important in my life. And um, it's really a pretty amazing how they can, I mean, some are more mature than others, obviously, and you'd have to talk a child for a long time down on right. on giving that up. But once they realize how serious this is, how much is affecting their brains and how what a difference it makes in their lives when they can free themselves up from these phones, then they start taking ownership. They start saying, okay, I, I see what you're saying here and this is what I want to do for myself. Then that becomes successful. If parents are handing down the rules and hand me your phone, 
after two hours or what, you know, whatever it is, it really never works. They well, just, it works the opposite. I mean, if you, yeah. if you clamp arbitrary limits and rules on kids, they it just, an, it, it feeds their obsession for it. Right. And I think we, we should be personal enough to say, Linda, that the, among our children and our grandchildren, the most restrictive parents uh, have the kids who are the most uh, obsessive about that They're the ones that'll they'll ask a stranger for a phone just so they can get online and so they can get some screen time. They're so deprived. So. Well, you know, it reminds me of the old days when our kids were little. We had parents in our neighborhood that were, were just saying no sugar. We're having no sugar at all in our house. So they were coming to our house for the sugar. And I didn't know that that was a rule in their house. So they would just come straight through the front door That's and go out to the garage or the pantry yeah. and just get their sugar fix. And so um, it really has to rest with the kids, I think. Now, and again, when you have that kind of discussion, don't rush it and don't try to finish it in one evening and don't restrict it to the negative things about social media and screen time and technology, expand the positive things. And that's what we want to do for a minute right now. I mean, I'm just so grateful for ways we have to be in touch. I mean, a lot of you are listening to this, this broadcast uh, as a podcast. So there's another a positive thing about it. And, and what we're trying to do, I'll just use this as a personal, ex personal example. You know, Linda and I have 25, 30 years of parenting content from articles. We've got, we've done nearly 600 newspaper articles. We've done 250 uh, podcasts and radio shows and so many YouTube things and so on. And, and we would not be able to reach out to parents in that way if it weren't for technology um and so we're now uh we, we as older folks are are finding tremendous value in social media and in fact let me just extend an invitation to all of you listening go on facebook to linda richard Iyer, just our, both our names put together linda richard Iyer, or on instagram at richard linda Iyer. we thought it would be egalitarian to switch our names around on <laughs> richard linda Iyer on uh, on instagram and linda oh, richard Iyer on facebook that's a little bit confusing oh man that, that reminds <laughs> me of my password <laughs> oh. but but at any rate what we're trying to do now is put a principle just one principle every week on monday for example, this week's is uh, oneness is a better goal for marriage than equality. We're trying to put little one-sentence pithy statements, but just have them on the social media, but then have links so that if you're interested in that particular principle, you can then click the link to an article or to a YouTube or to a uh, podcast or, a or to a radio book show. or to a yeah. book or to a BYU radio show. And so I'm just using that as an example. What a wonderful world we live in where, I mean, it's, it's our way of organizing all this content of the last 25 years and letting people just from Facebook or from Instagram, just click on it and get exactly as much or as little information as they need. So it's really a dilemma, Linda, that we live in a world where we're so grateful and so facilitated by technology, but also so threatened by it. It's really a, it's a two-edged sword 
in the in the in the strictest sense. It is, and honestly, I don't know what we would do without it. When I think of having to mail a letter to somebody and then have to wait for a reply, or uh, especially overseas when it was difficult to call on the phone. Oh my you know, gosh. When I was little, I remember being like, shh, 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 we have a long distance call here. You know, it really is so crazy now. You can just hit a button and FaceTime. We have a daughter in London. We have a son in Zurich, along with grandchildren there. And it is amazing what what can happen. I mean, we have a relationship. Calling with them those is people. exactly the same as calling someone that lives down exactly. the street. And remember, I remember one call I made while I was in China, Linda, before the internet to you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. One of the kids answered the phone and I was yelling, get your mother, get your mother. And, and I, and I heard the kids set the phone down. And then for the next 10 minutes, I heard all the sounds of the household, but she never got you. And it was ticking away <laughs> a lot of money that, every minute. That call cost a hundred dollars. Oh it gosh. was unbelievable. So we're so grateful that we're all so connected. But boy, we've got to we've got to think of technology as tools, and we've got to limit their use, and we've got to raise kids. Now, look here's my thought: look at it as an opportunity. As a parent, stop feeling oh, this is an ominous problem, and I don't know what to do. Instead, think of it as an opportunity to help your kids become more discerning and more thoughtful about pros and cons of things. I mean, I think to sit down with a child and, and spend the time, and you may have to do this one-on-one. -on -one. This may not work very well with three or four kids in a family meeting. This may be with one child and in a place, maybe you go to lunch together and you've got your paper and you've got your pencil, and you sit down and you teach that child how to think by asking questions. What do you love about your phone? Or if it's a younger kid, let's let's talk about what's good and bad about smartphones and when do you think you should have one? Last week on the show, if, if you didn't hear it, we listed eight of our own guidelines on technology, one of which was don't give a kid a, cell, a smartphone until they're 14. Keep them with a dumb phone or some other phone that they can't get on social yeah, media with until a certain age. But you've got to decide on what those rules are, not us. Well, let me tell you about the dumb phone. I mean, that sounds like a fun idea, but they're really, really hard to oh, find. You still get them. Well, what happened after we hung up last week is our girl said, you know, you can get a smartphone, but you can um, decide you can what access they dumb, have. Yeah. yeah, you can have just access to you or what, you know, however you do it. And, and, uh, somebody can help you with that because that really is pretty amazing that we can do that now. And we don't want everybody running around trying to find dumb phones at the DI or, you know, Goodwill or whatever. Oh, I'm no, sure they wouldn't be there, but you can, company. but it's hard. And, and, you know, but there are ways to, um, use an iPhone smart in a smart way. Yeah, in and a dumb I mean, way. I mean, a smartphone <laughs> in a dumb way. I mean, that's what I'm trying to come up with. And so um, really think about what you're going to do with the technology. But I, I agree. The most important part is talking to our kids. Get them in it. a discussion. Get them to think. And show Don't them these statistics. Don't just lay down rules. Yeah. Show them these statistics. Go to this Atlantic article or whatever we'll, you We'll can put find. the link on, on BYU Radio on the website. We'll put the link to this particular article that we like so much in Atlantic Magazine. We'll also put 
on today's show on the little write-up, we'll put our, uh, our Instagram page and our Facebook page that we'd love for you to follow. And again, that would be an example of linking people in a community through the media that keeps us all together. So we're done. We are. We, we wish you the very best with this big challenge and this big advantage in, the world, in today's world. So see you next time on Ayers on the Road. 